Good morning. How many of you have had a perfect week like me? Everything just went great. Kids are out of school, which means four kids are at our house all day long, every day. How many of you think my wife had a perfect week? Woo! Uh, it's been a very imperfect week in my world. Uh, it's been a good week, but it's been an imperfect week. And it's come with its challenges and with its difficulties. And I've just got to tell you, it's very, very refreshing for me to join together with you this morning under the grace of God who has removed a billion different sins out of my life to allow us to come together and be refreshed in his holy name and to worship him and to worship him with you. And a lot of the people that it was an imperfect week with, like my wife and my kids and even some of you that I had uh, interactions with this week, it's just good to come together under the name of Jesus, knowing that he can take care of everything and bring us together as one in his name. And it's just good to worship with you this morning. Last week we started a series, just a two-week series. So if you missed last week, you've only missed one. We're going to wrap it up today in this series called Strapped. And what we did through a lot of numbers and stats last week is we showed you that many people today, sadly many of us in this room, are very, very strapped financially to the tune of over $1 trillion in credit card debt in the United States of America. We are strapped we are very, very strapped. We want things. We want lots of things, and so we go get things. At the same time that you and I want things, I also believe that about me and you, that we also want to give. We want, we desire to be givers. Today, we're going to see why we all want and desire to be givers and why, or excuse me, how and the path to becoming givers. Now, a couple of things before we lean heavy into this whole idea. Uh, and as we talk about money this morning, I want you to understand we're really not talking about money. We're talking about our hearts. We're talking about our hearts. At least two-thirds of the parables, the stories of Jesus, have to do with money and stuff. And the reason why he spoke so much about money and stuff is not because he wanted, therefore, needed your money. He really wanted and needed and desires your heart. He wants you to be who you need to be and desire to be and find satisfaction in your soul. And he knows that the number one competitor for your heart, the number one competitor for my heart, is money and stuff. And so he spoke into it often. So today, just want you to know, we're not so concerned about your money. We're much more concerned about your heart. And here's what I know. Week after week, there are people that gather here searching, looking, needing rescue, needing help, um, needing freedom. And one of the reasons why you're needing that in your life right now is because of bad, boneheaded financial decisions that you've made in your life that have left you Strapped. Now, one thing I want you to know is where we are as a church financially, and I, I'm just thrilled to be able to say this because we're talking about money and we're talking about finances. Our church is not hurting for money today. In fact, our church is doing great because of the generosity that's in this room. Uh, we set a budget for 2018 was that was by far and large the largest um, uh, annual budget we've ever set for our church. We're five months in, and your giving has exceeded our budget needs. And so praise God for you 
you and your generosity. So I'm not some pastor up here saying, man, we need you to give so I can get paid next week. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. We're talking about your heart. We're talking about you finding the rest in your soul that you desperately need. But as we said earlier, we want stuff. And might I add to that, we want weird stuff. Let me just prove that to you for just a moment. I'm going to throw a few pictures on the screen. The first one coming up here is a band. You may recognize them. You know, before you came to know Jesus, of course, you listened to them. Their name's Van Halen. And uh, interesting that in the early 80s, they started something that still kind of happens today. They made a very specific stipulation in their contract that are now known as riders. And they were the ones that early on in the 80s said, you know what? When we show up to a show and to an event, we want M&Ms, but we don't want any brown M&Ms in the M&M bowl. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But what were they doing? They were making sure that the people that were putting on the show were reading their rider and giving them what? What they want. Well, this has continued. It's kind of gotten out of control to this day. Another picture up here on the screen, and definitely if you know Jesus, you don't know who this guy is, but his name's Kanye. And his rider, uh, he has part of his appearance agreement that the person who drives him around, like his driver, his chauffeur, chauffeur only wears 100% cotton clothing. Kanye is deeply disturbed by someone near him wearing man-made fibers like polyester. Just so you know, you can wear any type of clothing that you want here. We do appreciate clothing. We ask that you put it on and cover up, but we don't really care what it's made out of, all right? But that's Kanye and what he wants, okay? The next one, this is Katy Perry. Um, In her, she has a 23-point set of rules for her driver, 23 rules for her driver, okay? So if you're going to chauffeur Katy Perry around, you're not permitted to speak to her nor even look at her in the rearview mirror. You cannot, like, interact, look at, uh, engage in any kind of shape, form, or fashion. That's one of her many, many rules of her driver. Um, This next person is Mary J. Blige. And this uh, comes from a rider that she had in 2006 on a big 35-city tour that she did. And she demanded that everywhere she went, They install a new toilet seat. 35 cities, 35 new toilet seats. Now, you think about that. That's a pretty good idea, actually, right? Like, you know, using somebody. All right. If you had that kind of, like, power, you'd probably exercise some of these things, too, wouldn't you? You'd probably come up with your own weird things that you want. Weird things that you want. This next picture is of a guy you probably don't recognize, but his name's Adam Grant. Uh, he's a really smart guy. He's written some books. He's done a ton of research. Uh, he gives great talks, and a lot of his stuff's really helpful and good uh, in uh, just interpersonal relationships and um, in business world and any kind of organization that you may lead. But his name's Adam Grant. Um, he wrote a book called Give and Take. And in this research, he came up with some principles that would define those who are givers and those that define takers, givers and takers. And I think they're going to come on the screen here for us um, now. Next screen. Yeah, just run on through those. We got wealth, next one, power, pleasure, and winning. So that's one side. On the other side, uh, we have helpfulness, responsibility, social justice, and compassion. Now, you're a smart group. Which group of things on the left side or the right side do you think describe 
the takers. Left or right? Left. Wealth, power, pleasure, winning. Those were things that defined and were characteristics of those that were found to be takers. Okay, takers. Givers, their attributes look like helpfulness, responsibility, social justice, and compassion. Now let me ask you this. Which one of these lists do you think describes better the character and the nature of Jesus? All right, helpfulness, responsibility, social justice, and compassion. I think those things describe him much better. So here's the question that we've got to wrestle with today. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you a giver or are you a taker? Now, I would say it's in all of us to be a giver, and I would say it's in all of us to be a taker. I think it's a constant wrestling match that goes on in us. But which one do you think defines you? At the end of your life, do you think people are going to stand up and say, you know what, I knew him and he was a giver, or man, I knew him and he was a taker. Which one are people going to say about you? It's interesting that as you read the teachings of Jesus from nearly 20 centuries ago, he said that, giving would be one of the attributes that would come out of our lives if we are his followers. So are you a giver or are you a taker? As we were preparing for this series, I sat down with our pastors and asked them a series of different questions, just kind of getting their heart on a few things. And one of the questions I asked them was, who influenced you the most when it comes to generosity? And uh, I didn't know how many different answers we would get and uh, how unique those answers would be. But let me give you the one common answer that came from every one of our pastors. And I don't mind saying that we're talking about a group of very generous people when I say this. Who were the people that influenced you the most when it comes to generosity? Every single one of them, the top of their list was their parents. Their parents. They saw their mom, they saw their dad exhibit a life of generosity, and it has impacted them until this day. Now, I'll tell you that for a couple reasons. One, moms and dads in the room. I know sometimes, I feel you when you say, you don't know if they listen to anything you say at all, right? They hear it all, they absorb it all, they see it all, and they respond to it all. These guys sat there with just, just, just confidence and said, you know what? It was my parents. Number one influence in my life towards generosity. I saw my mom. I saw my dad give. And so it happens in me. And today that's going to be a very connecting thing for us as we think about how we find ourselves not being a taker, but instead being a giver. Look at James chapter 1, beginning in verse number 16. James chapter 1, beginning in verse number 16. The big idea that's being talked about as we flow into verse number 16 is this thing that we all struggle with. It's called temptation. Now, you are tempted by certain things, and I am tempted to buy certain things. Uh, some of the same things I'm tempted by, you may be tempted by, and vice versa. And there may be some things I'm tempted by that you're not tempted by, things you're tempted by that I'm not tempted by. But ultimately, temptation are those things that entice us and lead us away from the truth, lead us away from Jesus, and lead us into sin. And lead us into sin. So temptation is what's being talked about here. James chapter 1, beginning verse number 16. 
So don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Don't be duped. Don't be tempted away from what you need to be focused on, the Word of God is telling us. Don't be misled, my brothers and sisters. There's a lot of things that can get you off track. There are a lot of things that can get me off of track. There's a crazy funny girl on social media right now. I think her name's Christy. Um, You can find her out there. She's just got videos that are on social media, and what she does is she buys things off the Zon. You know what the Zon is, right? Amazon. She buys things off the Zon. She buys them, and then she does these videos that, um, you know, are her reviews of this particular item that she has bought. And she'll tell you very, very quickly, don't waste your money on this product. Let me waste my money on this product, and then you can see how it works. So she buys these products, and there's some crazy, zany, funny things that she buys, and she's just hilarious by nature. And so she does a couple of things in this video, videos that I don't know if she realizes like how spot on she is with everything. But ultimately, she says, I saw this on the Zon, so I had to have it, so I got it, and she's doing it. And while she's talking and being funny and you're laughing your head off, she kind of gets off track And she kind of goes chasing a rabbit, and she's got this phrase that she'll use when she does it. She'll go, train, 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 track. Because she realizes that she's not talking about what she ought to be talking about. She'll go, train, 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 track. You know what she's saying? It's so easy to get off the rails. It's so easy with the Zon or with commercials or other social media telling you what to buy that you can get distracted and you can get off track. You can be talking about things and the next thing you know you're talking about something you don't even need to be talking about or that's not even on topic and you have to remind yourself, I've got to get back on track. I just finished a book called The Record. It was just for fun. It's a, it's a great uh, novel, and it was just a lot of fun. Anyway, the, it took us back to like the late 1800s and the early 1900s when the railroads were emerging and busting at the seams and just blowing and going, and they kind of ruled the day. And um, the wrecker was the guy in the book that was constantly going around and derailing trails because he was trying to bankrupt some railroads so that he could then take over the railroads. And it just made me mindful of how big of a deal it is when you or I get off track. I think when we think, I get off track, well, I'm just heading in a different direction. But let me tell you something. When you find yourself being tempted by things that are going to lead to sin, You are doing more than changing directions. You are getting off the rails, and it's not going to merely change your direction. It's going to lead to destruction. Not very long ago, um, there was a train that derailed in DuPont, Washington, where we used to live. And so it was very, very close to home. I hear about trains derailing, and I'm like, oh, that's sad. I hope everybody's okay. But it happened in the town and the city that we lived in, and it was devastating. Thankfully, there was only a few, few people that were killed because it could have been so many more. But it just makes me mindful that when you get off track, when you are misled by things that lure you away, you're not just changing directions, but you're headed toward destruction. And that's the reason why God over, over, and over again talks about sin, talks about money, talks about the things that can mislead us and cause us to get off track the rails. So maybe this morning you need to say train, 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 track and get back on track. Maybe financially right now you're coming off the rails. You've been distracted and you're headed toward destruction. Maybe it's other things that have lured you away into sin and you need to get back on 
track. Notice what else it says here in James chapter 1, verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. It is a very clear reminder as to who we are. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a brother and sister to one another because you belong to God who is your father. And just like these men who are pastors in our church said, man, my mom, my dad, my parents influenced me the greatest towards generosity. Some of you have forgotten who your father is. You haven't kept your eyes on him. You're listening to everyone and everything else. And your greatest influence right now potentially is not God the father, but it is God awful stuff that is causing you to get distracted, causing you to be misled and causing you to come off the tracks. So he's talking to us as believers and he's reminding us who we are. Look at verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from who? Let me read it again. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from who? God. Come on, say it like you know, like you can read. Come on now. From who? Now say it like you believe it. From who? Everything that's good and everything that's perfect that you and I receive, the word of God declares, comes from God our Father. God our Father. He is the one that gives it to us. He's a giver. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. It's part of who he is. And he's a giver of good and perfect Things. I think one of the things that we're quickly tempted to think about God, I think this is the thinking of the world. I definitely know it's the thinking of Satan and all of his tactics. He wants you and I to think that God is holding out on us. Do you remember the first story in the Bible, if you've ever read it, about Adam and Eve? That was where Satan went to with Eve. Hey, Eve, God's holding out on you. There's more. He could give you more. He could give you something that he's not giving you. You ought to want it. If you had it, oh, things would be so, so different. It's been his tactic since the beginning of time. And right now, you look at your stuff or what you think is the lack of your stuff or the shape of your stuff. You look at your money or the lack of your money and you start thinking, you know what? I think maybe God's holding out on me. I think I could take a different direction here. I think I could go off those tracks and get on these tracks and I could get what I really, really want. I think God is holding out on me. And yet it says whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. So if you want good things, if you want perfect things, if you want holy things, you need to keep your eyes and your heart on God the Father. If you want to go and settle for less, that's going to cost you more. Get your eyes off God and start looking for someone else to provide for you. It's not going to turn out well. God is not holding out on us. He is generous and he is gracious. He's the one who created everything. Look here in verse number 17. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. All the lights. I mean, let's just start with the sun. There's a bunch more up there, but what an amazing, amazing thing of creation we know as the sun. Comes up in the day, goes down at night, keeps everything exactly the way it ought to be, sometimes a little warmer than what we want it to be. But ultimately, God created the sun that brings and gives and sustains life and light in our world. The moon, the stars, and every other light that is in the sky that ultimately represents all of creation. 
God, our creator, the giver of good things, the creator of all. It goes on in this verse to say he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He never changes. Here's some things about God you need to know. He was good yesterday, and he's good today. He was perfect yesterday, and he's perfect today. He was holy yesterday, and he's holy today. That's who he is. That's who he always will be. His character and his nature never, ever change. He was a giver yesterday. He is a giver today. He is truth yesterday. He is truth today. His character and his nature never, ever change. Well, as you read Scripture, it doesn't happen often, but we see it in Scripture. There are times where God changes his mind But God and his character never, ever changes. He may want to change the direction of your life, but he and his nature and his character never, ever change. He never changes. He is holy, he is perfect, and he is good. The goodness of God that we're focused on right now, whatever is good and perfect comes from God our Father. If you want something to guard you against temptation, if you want something to keep you on track with what you have and what you're blessed with, Focus on the goodness of God. You know when I become unsatisfied? You know when I find myself craving more and wanting more? It's when I get my eyes off the goodness of God. There's an old, old song. Some of you know it. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Right? They say stay up and count sheep, right? Just stay up and count your blessings. How blessed are you? I mean, start at the top and just start rolling. Some of you are so blessed you can't even think about how much you need to sell in the next garage sale. Right? much less all the things that you have and you enjoy on a frequent basis. All of those good and perfect things have come from God. If we really believe in the goodness and graciousness of God, we'll trust him to provide for us. We don't need another thing or another person to provide for us. Once we begin to doubt the goodness of God, God, are you holding out on me? God, could you give me more? God, did you not give me that when you could have given me that? God, what are you holding out on? The moment you do that, temptation is going to rise up, and it's going to begin to pull you away. There's a great scripture in Philippians that says, And our great God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That's how God wants to provide for you. But you and I have to wait, be patient, and trust him. Look at verse number 18. He chose, God chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, okay, everything out there, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the planets, the galaxies, our earth, the mountains, the seas, the beach, whatever it is that just wows you about creation, the word of God here proclaims that we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. God doesn't love anything more than he loves you. That is God just pouring out his goodness on you. That is God giving you his perfection. That is God giving you his love. And says he chose to give us birth. Now when I think about birth, I think about two things for me. Uh, For me, it goes back to a date and time, August the 24th, 1977. I don't remember that day, but from what I'm told, I showed up to this earth on that day. All right? 
pretty cool day. Like if it wouldn't have happened, I guess I wouldn't have been here. So I think about God and I give him credit for that and I praise him for that. But I also think about another day for me uh, that began a new life in me. It was October the 7th, 1984. It's the day that I placed my faith in Jesus, realizing that I was a sinner separated from him and needed his death, burial, and resurrection to rescue me, and a second birth took place in me. Now, on the first one, in 1977, I guess my parents get part of the credit because they came together, and I was conceived, and I was born. But guess what? My parents don't get any of the credit for October the 7th, 1984, because my parents, my religion, my good deeds, none of that brought about that birth. Only the work of Jesus Christ brought about that birth. So as you read this word birth right now, if you're alive, think back to that day. Well, think back to that date that you were born. Praise God for it. He's the creator. He's the father that created you. But if you're a believer, think back to that day. And if you can't come up with a calendar date, that's okay. But you think back to that day and time where everything changed for you. And you placed your faith in Jesus. This is the birth that God gives us through his word. And he's able to bring anyone to life and redemption through his word. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. His true word. It happens through the work of Jesus. The goodness and grace of God fully manifested in Jesus. If you really want to see the goodness of God, okay? Don't necessarily look at your bank account. Maybe not look at your car. Maybe not look at your house. Blessings of God, potentially. Maybe some of them are just payments. I don't know. But let me tell you where you can see the goodness of God. I guarantee you'll see it every single time. You look at Jesus and you'll see the goodness of God. Take a long look at Jesus today. The one who came here and lived amongst people just like us who were takers Takers, takers, takers. And all we see Jesus do is give, 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 give. So what does all this have to do with strapped? What does all this have to do with being a giver or a taker? I want you to see this on the screen. I want you to get this. I want you to grab this. The giver of life, God our Father, the giver of life has created you to give of your life. I want you to process this. I want you to get this. The giver of life, that's God our Father, has created you. He gave you life on that day that you were born. He also, if you're a believer, gave you new life, life that's going to last forever on the day that you trusted him and became your Lord and Savior, for you to then in turn give of your life. You want to know what one of the purposes of your life is? It's to look like God through giving. God is good and he's perfect and he is a giver and he wants you and I to be a giver. So if I want people to see God in me, if I want people to see Jesus in me, one of the great ways I can do that is by looking at my father just like these pastors did, their mom and their dad, and they saw generosity and today they are generous because they saw that And they said, you know what, that's who I want to be. You look at God, you're going to see a greater level of generosity than you can ever even imagine. John chapter 3, verse 16, is going to come on the screen for you. You probably could quote it, but don't miss this. Don't miss the power of this. For God loved the world so much that he what? Oh, just get deep on that word gave, gave. 
I mean, we think about giving. We think, well, you know, they're taking up a little love offering. I think I got a five in my pocket. I think I'll drop it in. I gave. Oh, that's not the type of generosity we're talking about here. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His one and only son, that's Jesus. So that everyone, that's us and everybody else, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Oh, the giver of life has created you to give of your life. So on my notes here, I have uh, two words that I'm supposed to remind me of what I'm supposed to do. One of them says clock, so I've got a clock. And the other one says money, and uh, I'm fresh out. Um, so, for instance, let me just tell you how this all went down. Um, I had $10,000 worth of $100 bills. And I don't know if you remember me last week talking to you about how Proverbs says that money takes wings and it flies away. Well, my $10,000 worth of $100 bills took wings and it flew away. You think I'm kidding? Did we search for it this morning? Yes. Luckily, it was fake money. But I was going to bring $10,000 worth of $100 bills in here to represent money. So we'll just go small and we'll say this right here. Okay? So there we are. So here's the deal. And I was really nervous about putting this clock up here because now you can see what time it was. Not that you hadn't looked at your watch already. But anyway, we've all got some of this, right? We've got some time. And we've all got some of this, right? We've got... We've got some money. Now, some of us have more time than others, and some of us have more money than others. Some of us have less time than others, and some of us have less money. But we've all got some time, and we've got some money. And I just want you to know from God's perspective, from his eternal perspective, you really only have a little bit of time. And really, every single one of you only have a little bit of money. Okay? But we're blessed. We've got time, and we've got money. So the question is, how am I going to use the time that I have and the money that I have? How am I going to use it? Because one of these days, time's going to be up. Probably for most of us, and I know it'll be challenging, but we'll figure it out. Probably our time will run out before our money runs out. So so how, how am I going to leave this life having spent this time and spent this money? I don't think any of us are going to get to the end of our life and think, man, I wish I would have wasted more of my time. Man, I cannot believe I didn't blow all of my money. What was I thinking? Oh, man, I wish we'd have bought a bigger house. I wish I'd have bought that car. I just don't think that's where we're going to land when we get to the end of this life. I think we're going to be thinking about, man, how could I have spent my time better? How could I have spent my money better? How could I have been found as a wise user of my time and a wise user of my money? You see, what we do with this and what we do with this, it really reveals who we belong to. And if you recognize that God is your creator and that he's your father and that he is a giver and that he is generous, guess what you're going to be with your time and with your money? You're going to be generous. It's just who you're going to be. It's who he's going to shape you into. It's what's going to unlock and unleash what you really want to do. Yes, you want to be a taker. All of us have that in us, but he's redeeming us, and he's causing us to want to be 
a giver. Again, the giver of life. The giver of life has created you to give of your life. Again, I don't think you're going to get to the end and think, man, I wish I would have wasted it. I don't think you're going to get to the end and think, man, I wish I would have been less generous. I don't think you're going to get to the end and, you know, somebody get up and speak on your behalf at some gathering like this with you at a funeral and, uh, you know, them say, you know, I don't think you're going to hope, you're not going to want them to say, man, they wasted it all. No, we want to hear things like helpful and compassionate and generous. This is who God is. And we reveal him with how we spend this and how we spend that. In just a moment, we're going to wrap up our time here. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. The band's going to come. They're going to play in just a few moments. And we want to give you an Maybe this morning you need to experience the generosity of God that comes through his son, Jesus Christ. And maybe what's missing for you right now is a relationship with God through Jesus. Maybe you heard me spit out a date from the 1980s, and you're like, what are you even talking about? What did that? We want today to be that day for you. We want to, this day to be the day that your eternity changes, that you become a child of God, and he becomes your father. He's your creator right now, but by faith he becomes your father. And today he wants to adopt you as one of his own. He wants to keep you. He wants to shape you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to use you. He wants to spend eternity with you in a good place called heaven. He wants to give that to you. And the way he gives it to us is through Jesus, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. Maybe this morning you're like, yeah, that's who I am. I'm a believer, and I've been wasting this, and I've been wasting this, and I don't, I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. And you just need to pray today and ask God to change you and shape you, how you use your money, how you use your time, so that you're not strapped and so that you're not selfish and so that you're not about yourself, but you're about others, and you're about him, and you're about his kingdom. And maybe this morning that's what you need to decide. Also this morning... We're going to give you an opportunity to give as we do every week. And, man, I just praise God for the generosity that's in this room. Uh, we get to do a lot of neat things for the kingdom because of the generosity of our church. Let me tell you about one neat thing that's going to happen um, over the next week that's really, really neat. Uh, John Oxner, who's a part of our church, he's a football coach, and he loves Jesus. And uh, he's going to be headed off to Pennsylvania, I think, for the third or fourth year in a row. I don't know how many years. Fourth year in a row. He's going to miss Father's Day with his children, Okay. And I don't frown on him that for that because I know he loves his kids. I know he loves them well. But the reason why he misses Father's Day with his kids every year is because he goes to an FCA football camp. And he pours into these kids his coaching, but more importantly, he pours the gospel into them. He's going to be sharing the gospel with a couple hundred high school football players up in Pennsylvania. And we just praise God for that. And he needed some Bibles to put in the hands of some of these new believers that are going to come out of that time. And so we just said, well, we've got the money and we've got it set aside. So we bought 50 Bibles. We put them in his hands. And he's going to be taking them with him. And he's going to be handing those out. All that stuff is easy for us to get done for the kingdom because of your incredible generosity. Thank you for giving. As an offering bucket passes, maybe you're a first-time guest, just drop in that communication card. We promise you'll be glad you did. I'm going to pray. After this prayer, we're going to stand, and we invite you to respond by way of worshiping, by way of responding to Jesus, by way of giving. Let's pray.